Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Welcome to the program. Happy uh, Monday. Pete Callender here. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. 704-570-1110. Okay, with that out of the way, last week I was out sick Monday and Tuesday and came back in on uh, Wednesday, did the show Wednesday, but was uh, I did it from home because I didn't want to do it from the studio because uh, I was still getting over being sick. And so I didn't want to, you know, get anybody else sick. You could still hear a little bit of... The, the chest congestion kind of stuff going on, so I apologize for that. I'm not at 100%, but um, I was good enough, uh, you know, to be on the radio. So I was, so I did Wednesday's show, then did the debate, uh, which was a great time. Then Thursday did the show, and then Thursday after the show, I had a doctor's appointment that was pre-scheduled because for 10 years... I have had a cyst on my back, and it wasn't big. It's probably, I don't know, it was like the size of a, a quarter, you know, and it was just like a like a lump. It was right on my spine, so every now and again, if I sat down on like a flat back wood chair or something, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that would, that would hurt, because it was a, just this lump, you know, right on the middle of my back, but it never, aside from one time like eight years ago, it never gave me any problems. Uh, so it was just there and because of where it was located, the doctor was like, well, you know what, might as well just leave it alone. It's right on the spine. And so, um, you know, no need to mess with it. And then when I did have an issue with it and I don't want to get graphic on it because I know it's the lunch hour. And if I say what happened, then people are gonna be like, oh my gosh, Pete, I'm eating. How dare you? So I'm not going to say what happened, but it, it, but it, it swelled up and it hurt. Okay. So that was like eight years, seven, eight years ago, whatever it was, but then it never, nothing ever since. Until about a month ago, and then it started swelling again, so I went to my doctor, and they're like, we're going to send you over to a surgery specialist or whatever, and then they're going to look at it. So they said, okay, come on in for a consult. Okay, that was Thursday. All right, I'm going in for a consult. Hey, look at me, going to consult, you know, chit-chat a little bit about the cyst on my back, and uh, the uh, the surgery person um, took one look at it, and they were like, oh, no, we're we're gonna, we're cutting this thing out right now. So uh, they did, and uh, uh, they ran out of the local anesthetic. I mean, well, they had like a whole batch of like the local numbing agent, you know, to do. And then they uh, they they ran through all of that that they had set aside. That then they went to like this backup cash, and then they ran out of that. And then they had to go get somebody else to bring some more in. It's pretty painful. In other words, it was uh, yeah, it was pretty painful. Um, and so uh, I went and did that uh, drive home. That was, yeah, that was uh, that was an experience um, driving back. Cause after, like, I got so like, yeah, it was it was very painful. To I've never passed out from pain before in my life, but I almost did Thursday. And uh, so then I get in the car. It's still kind of numb back there, but they patched it over with some gauze and everything. But uh, but it's still like they did not stitch it. They did not stitch it all the way closed because it was such a deep wound that they made 
they left it to drain. So anyway, so now I drive all the way to the to home. I drive home, but I stop at the CVS. They had forgotten to call in the painkiller and the um, antibiotics. So that was fun. <laughs> so then I get home. So I try to call. Well, after I waited in the drive-through. Uh, the total trip home took me over an hour. So now the, the, the numbing agent has worn completely off. And, um, yeah, so, uh, so then I have to call the doctor's office, but they're closed. So I get the answering service. They contact another doctor who was fantastic, called in a prescription. My wife, uh, Christy went and picked it up. And, uh, and so I ate the one. Oh, also Tylenol's not too bad. I, I look. I I I'm always eating the Aleves. You know, I like Aleve for the pain and for inflammation and that sort of thing. And uh, we didn't even have Tylenol in the house. Christy picked some of that up when she was at the CVS, also. And um, I took two of those. And like the next, so like the next day, I took a couple Tylenols. That stuff works. I don't know why. Yeah, I, I don't know why. Uh, I got off of the Tylenol as a painkiller. I don't know. But we had a whole jar of it now, so I am not in pain anymore. No, thank you for asking. I'm not in pain anymore. I'm not on the drugs anymore, although you probably wouldn't even be able to tell. But, um, no, I, I only took the one pill that first night. But that all being said, I am I am fine. I'm recovering, recuperating, uh, and I appreciate everybody's uh, kind words, all the well wishes, um, and uh, thank you also to... Uh, Chad Adams for filling in on short notice. People don't realize uh, the amount of show. Like I, do, I always tell people, two hours of prep for one hour on air. That's my rule. I do two hours of prep for every one hour on the air. And so, uh, and that's not always the case. Sometimes it's more. Sometimes it's less. But that's a good. Uh, it's a good barometer. You know, a good uh, sort of uh, way to 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 plan your day so you know that you've got enough time to do the prep. So, for somebody like Chad who. Um, is not doing hosting work on a full-time basis, um, but does the fill-in stuff, it's, you know, he he's he is probably using every bit of that two-hour, if he, you know, if he's got the same sort of thing that I'm doing. It's harder to kind of pick back up after you've been out. Once you're on this sort of treadmill of the news cycle, it's easier to just keep running. It really is. Because if you jump off of it for an extended period of time, you're going to, you know, Go on living your life. You're going to be a productive member of society rather than a radio host. And so, you know, you're going to go and 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 pay attention to different things, and you're going to lose track of stuff. And so, it's it's very difficult. So, I really do appreciate Chad uh, being able to fill in three days last week with very little notice um, because of the the sickness at the beginning of the week that I had, and then the uh, yeah, like because I was not expecting to be out Friday. I thought that the Thursday deal was just going to be a consult and I would be right back in the chair in the studio on Friday and then I would schedule uh, the surgery at some other point, you know, probably like a Friday afternoon. So I would have the weekend to recover. But nope, it was uh, it was not not in the cards. And maybe that's why we got this uh, this uh, border bill, because I wasn't here and I wasn't around to tell people not to break stuff. And what, lo and behold, breaking news, Sunday. By the way, what is with the hating on um, Luke Luke Combs and... Is that his name? Luke? Is it Lou or Luke? I think Luke. it's Luke. Luke? Okay. Luke Combs. Oh, he's got one of those names that, like, the, the CK sound at the end of the first name just blends right in with the, 
Anyway, that's Luke that Combs. Appalachian State uh, grad, yeah. by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's from North Carolina, if I recall. Um, so he redid that. He did the cover song of Fast Car. He did the cover for, but he's like a country music singer. And so I remember when he did it, and uh, this is the Tracy Chapman song from, you know, I remember that song coming out when I was a kid. And it was, everybody loved the song at the time. And then she just kind of disappeared. That was it. Nobody ever heard from her again. And that's her, by her own choice, I believe. She hasn't performed publicly in, in years, like 15 years, 20 years or something. Anyway, he does a cover of her song, Fast Car, and he gets awards for it. And then people are like, oh, he stole the song. It's appropriation and all this other stuff. It's like, it's a great song. And he sang it almost exactly like she did as a tribute to her. Anyway, last night at the Grammys, they did a duet. And it was fantastic. I thought it was, they did a great job together. And I'm getting, I'm seeing people that are like, well, you gotta make everything some country, modern country song. Like, really? Like, how is this, a, how is it any more a country song than when she did it? Just because Luke Combs is singing it? This is so stupid. So stupid. Tom Nichols, I'm looking in your direction. That's, yeah, that's the, that's the culprit here. He says, oh, I like this song in the 80s. But something about it seems weird and commercial and homogenized and pretty much the opposite of the feeling of the original song. What are you talking about? It unifies two different people that you think are from completely different backgrounds with a universal experience of, you know, living in poverty, trying to get out, trying to, you know, quote, be someone, be someone, right, to, ha to, to find meaning in their life with a partner. And to break free of this these cycles of poverty and the fact that it speaks to Luke Combs as much as it spoke to obviously Tracy Chapman who wrote it, I don't know. I'd like, I just don't understand why people got to crap on everything all the time like this stuff. Ugh. All right. Do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay. So what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com, veteran-owned Carolina readiness supply will you be ready when the lights go out uh all right let's get to it let's get to the 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 very bad border bill the 18 sorry the 118 billion dollar bad border bill it's pretty bad it's uh, okay it's so bad that hugh hewitt the uh morning guy out in california he's a conservative uh republican party guy uh he's uh I mean, he, he's a, he would describe himself as a conservative, um, but he's out in California. <laughs> so I don't know. That's, I always just, I always feel like there's that caveat. No, I like Hugh Hewitt. He's, um, uh, he's a pretty reasonable guy and uh, gets along with all of the, virtually all of the, you know, Republican leaders in the Senate and the House and such. Um, he says, uh, the border bill has now been out for 12 hours. And... He says he has interviewed Senator Langford, James Langford, the 
uh, Oklahoma senator who was the lead negotiator on this. He says he has read all of the Senate GOP pro-border bill materials that were distributed to the media. He has surveyed the avalanche of center-right to hardcore conservative reactions. And the bottom line here is it's not going to pass. It's it's not going to pass. So don't make the Senate Republicans vote on it. So now it's in so now this is a tactic. This is a strategy, right? If you know the thing is not going to pass, then don't make your members vote on the bill which could then be used against them in elections, in campaigns. My own view, he says, is that the failure to get the wall built or at least significantly begun before the election is a killer. But others have other objections. Whatever your arguments for or against, it's not going to pass. And taking it forward is a waste of time. Thanks to Senator Langford and Senator Tom Tillis for making the effort, but not good enough or even close. Stop the bleeding and abandon the bill. He also said about two hours ago on Twitter that this is not the most conservative border bill in decades. You're hearing some of uh, that language from generally people on the left and media, but I repeat myself. Um, They're saying, oh, this is the most conservative border bill. You're getting so much stuff. I can't believe all the stuff you're getting. You're still going to vote against it because of your orange man, Tangerine King or whatever. They're, they're, They're saying that the Republicans don't want to do this because Donald Trump is telling them not to, and uh, otherwise they totally would agree to it, but Trump wants it as an election issue. Which, Donald Trump, being his own worst enemy, did in fact make that point that he said don't sign on to this bill, what, like last week or two weeks ago. But at that point, nobody knew any of the details. What Trump said was... Unless this is a perfect bill, unless you get everything you want, it better be an excellent bill. Like, if you are going to sign on to something like this, it better be awesome. That's what Trump said. But, of course, that gets twisted because of the way Trump speaks and because it is Donald Trump and because there is this Trump derangement syndrome in the media and Democrats. But I repeat myself, they cannot just uh, hear what he says and take it for what he has said. They have to now read into all of these things. Well, what he actually means here. And so they they take some portion of his comments and they say, see that he's he's killing the whole thing. He's not killing the whole thing. The Republicans in the House told the senators that were working on this, don't come forward with something that looks materially worse than House Resolution 2. Because the House did something. And the Senate... Democrat controlled. They're like, we're not going to do that. That's crazy. Okay. But this is what we are demanding. These are, this is our proposal. You should work off of that. And the Senate did not. So here we are. Yeah, that's the deal that we are being offered in order to, quote, secure our border with Mexico, which, by the way, I'm not so sure that's actually going to happen with this bill. Uh, But in order to do that, we have to cough up. $60 billion for Ukraine, which is more than half of the $118 billion total package deal, right? Because the the people that were negotiating all of this, right, they, 
they want the Ukraine funding. There's money in there for uh, Israel as well. And, you know, they'll, okay, fine, they'll do some stuff on the border too. But I'm not so sure that all of this was just nothing more than kind of window dressing. It's just show, right? Because you had H.R. 2 that came from the House. You know what the conservative Republican position is in the House. And this is what you came up with. So here's the AP. Associated Press. Senators on Sunday released a highly anticipated $118 billion package that pairs border enforcement policy with wartime aid for Ukraine, Israel, and other U.S. allies. But it quickly ran into a wall of opposition from top House Republicans, including Speaker Mike Johnson. The proposal could be the best chance for President Joe Biden to resupply Ukraine with wartime aid. What? How about you just run a separate bill for that? Well, it may not pass, Pete. Well, isn't that the whole freaking point then? Right? Like, run the bill, let people vote on it, and if you don't have enough support, then you don't get to do the thing you want to do. But now you're pairing it with border security... Things that they're conservatives, and by the way, it's not just conservative, it's not just Republicans either. There was some survey that came out over the weekend, and it's like two-thirds of all Americans now say that the border needs to be secure and it's viewed as wide open. This this is the only reason why Democrats are even entertaining the idea of of doing some new laws, which by the way, feel the need to point this out yet again, you don't need any new laws. You don't. You don't need any new laws. Now, you can try to make some changes to the immigration asylum process and all of that. You can do all of those different things, and you could try to rewrite the immigration laws. You can do all of that. I would submit you should be doing it as a standalone bill with just some immigration changes. But no, you put it in with Ukraine and Israel and some uh, Asian countries, uh, Pacific nations and stuff, their defense And I understand why. I do. I understand why it's an order. You know, you're not going to get the support for this part of the bill alone. So you throw enough stuff in there, and then you get enough people on board because they're going to want to vote for that one thing in there, and hold their nose and and agree to everything else. The proposal could be the best chance for Joe Biden to resupply Ukraine with wartime aid, a major foreign policy goal that is shared with both the Senate's top Democrat. Senator Chuck Schumer and top Republican Senator Murphy The Senate was expected this week to hold a key test vote on the legislation. But within hours of the text being released, House Speaker Mike Johnson said on social media, this thing is DOA, dead on arrival in the House. With Congress stalled on approving $60 billion in Ukraine aid, the U.S. has halted shipments of ammo and missiles to Kyiv, leaving Ukrainian soldiers outgunned as they try to beat back Russia's invasion. Which, by the way, uh, not for nothing, but uh, the uh, uh, the geopolitical analysts and such, um, they say uh, that uh, once Kyiv, uh, or once... Um, yeah, if Ukraine falls, Kiev falls, uh, and then when that happens, uh, you're you're basically now on the doorstep of NATO, and uh, that's going to prompt uh, essentially World War III between Russia and America. So we got we got that potential for us. Um, I don't know if that look; these are all just predictions, right? These are all just 
analysts. These are the people that thought the Soviet Union was going gangbusters and then it collapsed. Right. So who knows? In a bid to overcome opposition from House Republicans, Mitch McConnell had insisted last year that border policy changes be included in the national security funding package. However, in an election year shift on immigration, I covered this uh, a couple of days ago, that Biden and many Democrats have embraced the idea of strict border enforcement, while Donald Trump and his allies have criticized the proposed measures as insufficient. Right. So the only reason Democrats are now moving on this issue in the direction they are moving is because the situation has become so terrible and now you've got cities and states that had you know virtue signaled their sanctuary status for so long um that are now being overrun they're being bankrupted because they were like oh, we'll give all sorts of benefits to uh undocumented immigrants and such and so texas and florida were like okay here you go have them and they're like oh my gosh i didn't think they were actually going to come here now we don't have any money Oh, yeah, there's a whole bunch of money in this $118 billion bill as well for cities and states. Right. So so the feds are going to go borrow some more money and they're going to kick it down to their, you know, their their fellow Democrat controlled urban areas, cities, counties, states, whatever that are sanctuary cities, states, counties, whatever. And they're going to give them a bunch of money. And oh, they're also they're also going to throw a couple billion dollars at the NGOs, the non-government organizations. The NGOs are the ones that have been facilitating the immigration crisis. They're the ones that have been organizing and, uh, you know, booking the buses and giving out the gift cards and stuff to get more and more people into the country, the NGOs. So they get rewarded under this bill to keep doing what they're doing and and more of it, more of it. Republicans, the Associated Press reports, have been reluctant to give Biden a political win on an issue they see as one of his biggest vulnerabilities and argue that President Uh, that the president already has enough authority to curb illegal border crossings, a stance that would ensure immigration remains a major issue in the presidential election. But at the same time, House Republicans have also pushed for their own stricter version of border security legislation. I love how the AP frames this as if these two ideas are in conflict. They are not, right? Joe Biden made a big show about how he was unwinding all of the things that Donald Trump did when he was president. First day in office, he started unwinding all of the immigration policies, right? And this, these are the results. This, these are the ramifications of those decisions. And what the House has been trying to do is to force the executive branch to essentially follow the laws. Which, not for nothing, that's a really big problem for me with this bill. You're assuming in like the Republicans who did this and Senator Tom Tillis, I guess, is one of them. Y'all are assuming that these new laws are going to be adhered to or at least pursued in good faith. And I've seen no indication that would warrant that kind of belief. Why would you think that this administration and this secretary of Homeland Security is interested in, in some good faith effort to enforce these laws? What what from the prior three years, four years now, what has given you any indication that that's the case? It's just bizarre. Let's head over to the phone lines. Let's talk with Mary first. Hello, Mary. Welcome to the program. 
Um, good afternoon. Uh, I wanted to say, instead of sending more money to Ukraine where it's never been accountable, I hear they're giving it to, to salaries and everything else but bullets, uh, we ought to uh, wake up the people that they're, that uh, Putin is heading is heading that way to these other countries, so let them go there. And what we need to do is call these other countries and say, we're not, we're not spending any more money for Ukraine. It's up to you to defend your own country. We, the bank is closed in America. So you're going to have to defend your own country. You can do it. We can no longer do it. We've done it. We're out of money, uh, not gone. Are you, are you talking about Ukraine needs to defend its own country? Is that what you're saying? Or you said they other countries? They need to co- defend their own countries, yes. Wait, wait, all right, so Ukraine needs to defend itself? No, I'm saying that these other countries, Poland, Germany, whatever, right. uh, they, uh, uh, Putin says that once he hits, uh, he hits Ukraine, he's going to go to these other countries. Right. He's going to move on, and I'm trying to tell them that they need to start uh, working to defend their own country with money. If, if they're worried about, about Ukraine, then they need to send money to Ukraine and mm-hmm. defend U- Ukraine. Why should we be the bank for all of these countries? So, those, so Nate, uh, the NATO countries are contributing. EU countries are contributing. Institutions are as well. I mean, they're not, they're probably not, uh, it's probably like all of them combined is probably roughly the same as what we're contributing. But, um, I mean, you mentioned Poland. I mean, that they are a NATO ally. And if uh, Russia takes Ukraine and then rolls into Poland, now we are at war. Because, I mean, unless you're saying we abandon the NATO agreement? I'm just saying that we've given enough money to Ukraine, and we have not been accountable for any one dollar of that no, money where that. it's going. Right. And, uh, I get you that. Can't There's... keep sending money to people without yeah. having accountability, yeah. and that's what we haven't had. So I think that's a that is a totally legitimate criticism, and I share it. That uh, when we're sending money over there, and we don't know that's a corrupt country. We all know that it has been for a long time. So uh, we need to we we need to know where the money is going when it goes there. A little bit different is when we are using the money to buy ammo and missiles from military contractors in america and then that ammo and 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 missiles and and ordnance that all goes over to ukraine right so that's a that's a different kind of spend right well i don't know i don't know if it is going to them uh, nobody's it ever is. told us exactly where the money is being accountable because i've even heard them say the top people that they don't really know where the money is is going if it's being accountable or not Okay, well, the money that goes to the defense contractors, right, in America, that's being used to pay for the ordnance and ammo that is then shipped over. Then there's the other chunk of money that has been sent that we found out later on, like some of that was getting used for, like, some of their bureaucrats' pensions or something. And there is some language in this proposal that says you can't use any money for that kind of a thing but yes there needs to be there needs to be an audit of all of the money that's been sent over there the problem is they're in the middle of a war and that that you know that's kind of, it's kind of difficult to send the bean counters over <laughs> during the during the war but i appreciate the call mary let me jump over here and get danny on hello danny welcome to the show hi how you doing today hope hey, you're doing well i am i'm doing much better than i was last week i'll tell you that much that's good. To, that's good to know. And stuff. Yeah, um, I kind of fall in line, not directly with the last lady um, about this war over there with Ukraine. I have no problem. I've called you before. I have no problem supporting Ukraine. No problem at all. But the Europeans are finally 
stepping up. To, and you're right, I think the money's pretty close to equal. So think about this. They're spending about as much as America, and they got all those countries. And I know they go by GDP and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But for years and years, they have not paid their fair share. Right. And all it, of a sudden, they're starting to, and it's on their front doorstep. Why have they not been doing this all along? They talk so, about they don't have these weapon systems together. The reason they don't have these weapon systems, they ain't like they couldn't have bought them from America. So the reason they ain't done it is because they didn't care. They were putting it in social programs mm-hmm. and on the backs of American taxpayers. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's true. And, and but here is the other, the, the flip side of that argument, which is, do do we really want Germany to uh, to build up its military again? Just you know, from experience, the last time that we let Germany build up its militaries, well, actually twice, they tried to take over the whole planet, right? So, uh, like there was a ra- there was a rationale for having these agreements and commitments, and and not having Europe build up all of their militaries again. So this way, uh, you know, all of the world wars had started in that neck of the woods. So how about you don't let them build up, or don't don't incentivize them to build up, and then this way. Uh, you don't get another world war. Well, I also understand, and I understand what you're saying. I've heard that argument before about Germany. Mm-hmm. What if all the other countries that Germany was going to invade, like in World War II in Europe, bolstered their military? Yeah. No, I... Like the Germans were spending all that money. I mean, they got to go somewhere to fight something if they want to take over. Yeah. And I don't think, honestly, like the Poles and people like that, they're not going to. They're not just going to give up. Yeah. So if the no, military is strong, say what? Dan, uh, I got to run. I'm way late uh, for the newscast. I appreciate. It. Look, you're making a solid argument. Uh, Donald Trump made this very same argument with NATO. I think it's a good argument to be made as well. News is next.